0: In today's episode, I want to discuss the differences between bilateral exercises and unilateral exercises. Now, if you're already thinking, Jesse, it sounds like you're speaking Spanish. I have no idea what those words mean. I'll break it down for you in simple terms. So as a personal trainer, as a strength coach, my job is to help people reach their health and fitness goals, whether it be increasing muscle, developing strength, or looking, feeling, functioning better. Now, there's two main types of exercise categories that we can look at. So I'm not talking about compound exercises and isolation exercises. This is a different type of category. Bilateral exercises, as the name implies, bi means two. It means that we're working two sides or both sides. Okay, so it it would mean two legs or two arms. So bilateral, for example, would mean a bodyweight squat. You're using both legs to squat down and then drive back up. Bilateral would also come in the form of something like a bench press. You have two hands on the bar, both arms go down and up at the same rate. Same thing can be said for chin-ups. Two hands on a bar overhead and you pull yourself up at the same time. So both arms are working equally at the same rate. Unilateral, on the other side, uni means one. So it means single-sided. One arm or one leg at a time. So when you start performing strength exercises or you're going to the gym and you're working out, you need to kind of look at which types of exercises are you doing. Are you predominating with compound exercises which allow you to lift heavier loads and develop greater levels of strength? Or are you doing mainly isolation? You know, small muscle groups, single joint exercises like bicep curls and tricep kickbacks, a waste of time. Um, That's the first thing. And we also wanna start to look at your biases. Now, a bias is something that you will generally move towards. It confirms what we kind of do, and we generally gravitate to the exercises which we enjoy the most or we are the best at. So it's something we perform very well. And typically means that when we perform it well, it feels good, and we can lift the most weight with it as well. This is basically how we as humans like to operate. We do things that we're good at and make us feel good. This is normal. Um, And it's because it strokes the ego. So when you're good at something, you kind of puff your chest up and you, you know, you stick your head up nice and tall, you think I'm the shit. This feels good, I'm really good at this exercise, I can lift a heap of weight, this is awesome. But doing that isn't always the best thing for your goals. Now, a little little case study here. Um, Over the last three months in particular, I've been rehabbing an injury. And my, my injury, it's a, it's a pelvis instability and overuse issue. Um, so over the last three months, my training has really been, it's been kind of boring. It's been really boring and quite repetitive, to be, uh, to be blunt about it. It's been really boring. I've been doing the, almost the exact same exercises for a couple weeks at a time in between my visits to the physio. But anyway, most of my training at the moment revolves around unilateral work, so that's single leg work. My injury, uh, the, what I'm trying to sort of strengthen and overcome, it's pelvic instability. I need to really work hard on stabilizing my pelvis and my hips. So it's actually a lot harder to do that bilaterally, two-legged. So when you have two feet on the ground, if you put your feet on the ground, roughly shoulder width apart, this gives you a large base of support. You're well balanced. So if you think of uh, the pyramids in Egypt, they're really tall, but the only reason they can get tall is because they have a wide base. If the base was really narrow, it's not going to be very stable going up, okay? Structurally, it's going to be a lot more unstable. If you ever if you ever played the game Jenga, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. You've got a small sort of width in terms of the base, and then you're trying to go up, and then it starts wobbling, and someone pulls a little piece out from here, and then it starts wobbling a bit more, and you pull another piece out, and eventually the whole thing just collapses. This is the same sort of concept when we do unilateral work. When you are doing one leg at a time, you are balancing or having to work just one leg without the second assisting you in terms of holding your balance and stability. We are reducing the base of support by 50%. And doing this type of stuff, doing single leg work to improve my stability around my hips and pelvis, it's great fun. It is tremendously enjoyable. I say that in jest, I'm actually joking here if anybody doesn't understand my sense of humor. But I'm doing a lot of single leg work, single leg squats, single leg RDLs, single leg calf raises, all of that type of stuff. It's fantastic. And a lot of the exercises, you know, I'm doing for high repetitions, I'm doing for endurance. Because for my sport, I need to be both strong, but I also need to have stability that can last for a full 90 minutes. My matches, my football matches last 90 minutes. So it's no good me having the strength to be able to do for 10 minutes and then I fall off the cliff. I need to be strong and stable, but also have the capacity, the work capacity and endurance to do it over and over again, to have the stability to perform one action, to do a sprint, to change direction over and over and over again. This is the importance of unilateral work, okay? Single leg work, unilateral exercises. It, it does something that's really fantastic though, which I don't think it gets enough credit for. It shines a really big light on where you are weak. So this is exercises like lunges, bird dogs, kettlebell military press or single arm overhead presses, one arm rows, single leg squats. So if you've never done single leg squats, just like imagine you've got a chair or a bench, sit down on it. So both feet are on the floor, straighten one leg, and then just use one leg to stand up. Do that a few times. See how easy that is on your legs. But the main thing is, if you are doing single leg squats or a sit to stand with one leg, the knees cannot touch. So when you stand on one leg, for most people, the natural tendency or the immediate action you will see is the foot and the arch of the foot collapses inward and the knee follows suit. So the foot goes in and the knee goes in. This is instability at the hip, knee, and ankle joints. This needs to be addressed. And that's why you actually need to find space in your training program to employ some unilateral exercises. Because they will shine a light, they will tell you very quickly where your body is weak and what areas need work. It showcases muscular imbalances, so left to right, top to bottom, front to back. It shows structural weaknesses, and it also shows you immediately, it's light and day, which area needs stability. Very simple test for you. You can do is stand on one leg. Try, do that on your left side, and do it for 30 seconds. And then do it on the right for 30 seconds, and answer which one was easier, left side or right side? Funnily enough, doing that exercise, most people are actually stronger on their left. And you might think this is a bit surprising because most people are right-handed and also right-footed. But if you think about passing a ball, football, round ball, soccer, if you think about passing a football along the ground or kicking a footy, your right foot kicks the ball, but your left leg is planted, your left foot is on the ground. So that's stabilizing the rest of your body weight as you kick the ball. So typically that is the dominant side for people. So if that's the case, you gravitated and you did your left side first, and you also felt more stable on the left, that indicates that you need to spend more time doing single leg work or balance or stability work on your right side. It's an imbalance, and we're never gonna get them completely level. Not in everything that you do, but from a strength standpoint, we can definitely start to close those gaps. If one side is significantly easier than the other, We need to work on the weaker side. So if you are doing unilateral single arm or single leg work, always do your strong side first and then do your stronger side second. Okay. so just to break that part down, you do your weak side first, you do your strong side second. But the terminology I use is you do your strong side first and then you do your stronger side second. So you base all of your numbers and your reps off the non-dominant side. And just a bit of a warning, if you are going to start trying some of these single leg or single arm exercises, start light. That's exclamation point at the end. Start light. Be conservative with the weights that you use. Stability work. Unilateral exercises are extremely difficult. So this is where, that I was saying before, doing bilateral two arm or two legs at a time. You can lift a significantly heavier amount of weight because you have more stability. Yes, this is true. And it strokes the ego. So what happens when we reduce and we get rid of one arm or one leg? The ego takes a hit. It's going to humble you. So go back a couple steps, start light or even start body weight if it's a single leg exercise that you're doing and build proficiency with that one arm or that one leg. You should be able to own the movement, not for like a couple seconds or on a good day, all the time, every rep, for the whole duration. I hope that makes sense so far. Now, the next topic that I want to kind of talk about, it's a bit of a nuance, the difference between strength and stability. These are slightly different. They're kind of in the same wheelhouse, but there's a little bit of a difference. And I want to kind of go through that with you now. Strength. This can be defined by the amount of weight you lift. But it also means that theoretically, this depends on the the exercise, but it means that you can kind of muscle it up. So let's say for example, you're doing a back squat. You've got a barbell, you've loaded some plates on it. You sit that bar onto your upper back, you squat down, you drive up, you finish the rep. There is a difference between a good and a bad squat, yes. But whatever weight you can squat Is what you can squat so let's say it's 80 kilos so you squat 80 kilos that's the amount of strength you have for that specific exercise your one rep max so you can squat 80 kilos for one rep awesome that's your strength but was it under control yes or no because when technique starts breaking down when things start looking sketchy when your mechanics start going off what you would consider good or ideal that's a lack of stability. That is a loss of control. That's where stability comes in. Stability showcases the strength of a joint or joints under complete control. And this can obviously be this can it can be accomplished through a slightly slower tempo. And that's why, just to go back to my own programming and my own training at the moment, a lot of the exercises I do are for. High volume, so a lot of reps, or a long duration. This is what stability is about. You can you might be able to stand on one leg for five seconds. Cool, you're strong enough to hold there for five seconds. But after five seconds, you might start wobbling around and you know blowing like a leaf in the breeze. That shows a lack of stability. So what I'm trying to say here is you could be very strong but also very unstable. And I've seen seen this a lot over the years. There's some some big, strong guys, they lift really heavy weights, but there's there's a real loss of control. They just never look in control, or they don't ever look like they can own the weight. This showcases the stabilizer muscles are extremely weak. Yes, the bigger, larger muscles can take the load and they can push through, but those stabilizer muscles, all of those little muscles that help to kind of keep you together and keep your body organized, they're very weak. And this is where potential injuries arise. So when, there's two key words here. The first is what's called linkage. This is where you are linking certain muscle groups and areas of the body together. For example, let's take a squat. You are linking your feet to the ground. You are linking your hips to your torso. And then your arms are also coming out the front as you squat down as a bit of a counterbalance to help keep you upright. We are linking a lot of joints together. Feet, knees, hips, core or torso. Then we have what is called leakage. So let's say you're doing this bodyweight squat. And your arches collapse, so your feet, basically, they become flat-footed. Your knees knock in, and you start getting this bit of tightness or this bit of pinching at the front of the hip there. This shows that you are leaking energy all over your body. You have lost a stable and anchored position from the feet, so you no longer have an active foot position to keep you grounded. You have, therefore, you have lost what is called rotational stability. So this is called torque, rotational stability from your hip joint, meaning your glutes are not activating and switching on to the degree necessary, which forces your knees to collapse inwards, which, as a result, closes the space in the hip joint, giving you hip impingement. So that's that little pinching sensation at the front of the hip. And because you're not engaging your core, or also as a byproduct of those knees collapsing and the feet knocking in, your torso starts tipping forward as well. You're leaking energy and stability all across the body, globally. That's the difference between strength and stability. You could lift very heavy weights, but if you are not in control of it, and, and this, is, this is the really interesting thing, if you do train in a commercial gym or if you, you train around other people, just watch how people move. I, I'm a people. I'm a people watcher. This uh, it's not in a creepy way, but I actually look at how people move. It's just something I've always done. I've had a fascination with the human body and how it moves, especially under load with weights, because that's when you know the benefits and the results you can get amplify. Yes, but the risk also goes up as well. So this is where look at how people move. Look at someone lunge. Look at someone do a push up. Video yourself and see how you move. Because that's actually the biggest eye-opener I've found for people, is when you're doing an exercise, you have an image in your head, I feel like this is what I look like. But then if you take a video, or if you have a photo, and you review it, you're like, oh shit, my squat looks like crap. <laughs> and it's it's a, it's a real eye-opener because you, your perception is, you believe you're in position A, but then you get real-time feedback or video footage showing you that, hey, In actual fact, this is what you look like. I hope that makes sense because you have a picture, you have some idea of what you're doing, but it may or may not actually represent how your body is moving in space, okay? And that's, again, what's the difference between strength and stability? Strength is simply the amount of weight you can lift. Stability is showcasing that strength under complete control. All of the joints in question, all the joints, muscles, in question. So you could be very strong and also very unstable, but it is hard to be stable when you are weak. Muscles move bones, okay? So this is where you actually have to have muscle to display from an aesthetic standpoint, yes, but also from a functional, I hate that word, functional standpoint your muscles are going to be what actually moves your body and moves your bones through space. So if you don't have a lot of muscle mass, it's going to be hard for you to be strong and stable. So this is why you actually do require muscle in terms of both mass, but also this is why I keep advocating for strength training for people. It's not just the muscles themselves in terms of the visible muscle and what you can see, but it's also the actions that they perform. And the only way you can develop this is through a great neural connection. Neural is basically the brain, the nervous system. So when you do an exercise, you are telling your brain, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then that sends a message to the motor unit to fire a specific muscle to perform a certain action. And as you do these exercises more frequently, hopefully with good technique, You develop a better connection, a better neural connection. It gets stronger and it becomes more efficient over time. This is the stability component. So if you're weak, it's hard to be stable. Okay, here's a dead giveaway. If somebody or yourself, if you cannot control a movement or a position unassisted, that's a red flag. You have a lack of stability or a lack of strength or both. So it could be in the form of having a spotter. So let's say for example, you're doing a chest press and I don't want you to confuse this with having confidence to do an exercise on your own. I'm talking about, for those who are unaware, a spotter is somebody who basically follows you through a movement so that if at any point you reach muscular failure or technical failure, your technique breaks down, there is somebody there ready to help you finish that specific rep or take the weights away from you. They follow you through the movement as to assist if called upon. They're not actually helping you through the exercise unless unless you're in danger or at risk of injury or having your bar fall on your neck if you're doing a bench press, for example. But this is what I'm talking about here. If you're doing a chest press, so you're lying flat on your back, you have dumbbells, you've got hand weights, and you're going through a chest press. If you cannot complete the reps, under complete control on your own without having somebody stabilize your wrist or help push your elbows up, you are not stable. You have a lack of stability at the wrist, the elbow and or shoulder joint. And this is is actually normal for people who are just, they're new. You come into an exercise you've never done before. You have no neural connection. You have no neural pathway because you haven't done this exercise before. Completely normal. We all go through this. I went through this at the same time. When I first started, I grabbed, I don't know, five kilo dumbbells, and I was shaking all over the place. I did my first set, I was like, oh my God, that was really tough. You put the weights down, you have a little, have a rest, get a bit of water, and you do your second set. It's still wobbly, but it's better than the first set you did. Because the brain is starting to create this connection now, okay, this is what's happening, this is the direction, okay, this is the amount of force I have to produce, okay, this is the amount of grip that I need, and then you do your second set and you put them down. You have another rest, bit of water, and you do your third set. And then your third set looks looks way better than the first set. So yes, you haven't developed, you know, a significant more amount of muscle mass in, you know, 3 or 5 minutes, but what you're doing is you're developing a neural connection. Your nervous system is starting to connect the dots, so to speak. Okay. If I don't grip the dumbbells tight, my wrist goes floppy. Okay. Your brain knows like straight away that's not a good thing. Like that's that's something we want to avoid. So, all right, I can't have a floppy wrist. Okay, how do I combat that? How do I fix that? What if I squeeze the dumbbells tighter? Ah, that feels a bit more stable. It does, the weights aren't moving as much. My hand isn't wobbling all over the place. Fantastic. So your brain and your nervous system is developing this connection. So that next time you do a chest press, and maybe you go up to six kilos, you know before you even pick the weights up, your grip must be firm. Squeeze the life out of the dumbbells, because you know automatically from experience and from those last reps you did in your previous session that when you have a tighter grip, you have a better press, you have a stronger press, you have a more stable press, more wrist stability, more shoulder stability, less wobble. So if you can't do that unassisted, like I said, that's a red flag. This needs to be addressed. It's not necessarily about changing that exercise as well. Sometimes all you need to do is put in more reps. So I call this chopping wood, okay? If you're going to chop a tree down, you know, you have to hit the same exact point over and over and over again. So if you're hitting up and then you're hitting down and then you're hitting across on a different angle with a fresh piece of bark on it, you're not gonna get any traction. You're not gonna make a big dent in there. So in order to get good at anything, you have to practice it. So that's the upper body if we think about a chest press. And if we transition to a unilateral exercise at the lower body, let's balance on one leg. Can you do that, A, with your leg straight? And then B, can you do it with a bent knee? So do a quarter squat. You bend the knee, not halfway, but just a little bit. So you're loading the quads, the hamstrings, the glutes to take a bit of load. Can you do that without using a wall or a stick to balance and hold still? Again, if you can't, red flag. It's not to say don't do it. It's actually there to point you in the right direction and say, hey, right now, at this point in time, you're not very good at this. In in fact, you suck at this particular drill right now. So in order to get better at it, we need to practice it. We need to do it more. hope that makes sense. So I've kind of gone through compound exercises. Yes, we still want multi-joint exercises. Yes, we still need to be strong to have muscle and the neural pathways to connect the movement pattern. So the brain can tell the body, this is what we're doing. And we still want the big four movement patterns, push, pull, hinge, squat. Absolutely. What I am trying to say is include some unilateral work in there. I'm all for you to bench press. If you want to lift some heavy weights and become strong, fucking go for it. I'm not here to say don't do it. I'm not saying ditch the bench press and do a single arm chest press. No, I'm saying do both, okay? You can't do it all at once, but I'm saying over time. This is where you get your variety with training. We don't jump from program to program to program, but what we do is we we sprinkle a little bit of this stuff across your program, across a 12-month period. So the way that I write my programs, they're four weeks at a time. You get 12 programs across, across a year, across a calendar year. That's a lot of fucking variety. Sure, there's going to be exercises which repeat and we want to develop and progress and you might have some specific numbers in terms of I want to squat this much. I want to overhead press this much. I want to swing this amount of kilos on a kettlebell. All for it. But in order to do those things and enhance your bilateral lifts, you need to do some unilateral work in there as well. This is also where you must select the right tool for the right job. So if your goal is to develop maximal strength, this means you just want to lift the heaviest weight possible. The barbell is the tool for the job. Yes, it is. The barbell will allow you to lift the heaviest weight, no questions about it. If you want to be strong, mobile and stable, the barbell alone may not be enough. It can be a part of your repertoire and I think it should be a part of your repertoire in some capacity, yeah. But if your goal is, I wanna look good, I wanna have muscle, I wanna be strong, I don't want to be in pain, I just wanna move really fucking well, You might need a combination. Dumbbells, kettlebells, sandbags, ball, band. All of these different tools can then start to put the different pieces of the puzzle together, which is making you a strong human being. And it's also where the right exercise selection comes in. So if your goal is, again, to squat, or maybe you want to deadlift really heavy, that's awesome. I'm here to, I'm backing you. I'm like, go for it, yes, let's do it. Let's load that bar up. But you also need to make sure that you have stability where you need it so you can lift those heavy weights. So if you're going to squat some heavy weights, you gotta make sure you have a stable and a strong foot position. Because if you don't, you're leaking power. You have not linked your foot to your knee to your hip. So it's going to be impossible for you to do a really heavy squat Effectively and safely. Same thing for a deadlift. If you can't even do an RDL correctly without, you know, oh, my lower back hurts when I do an RDL. If you can't even do that, you've got no right to to lift a barbell from the floor. Because you haven't even mastered the hip hinge pattern yet. And I use the word yet. Because I'm not here to say don't lift a bar. I use any and all tools. All of them but you've also got to make sure you have the stability. Can you do your presses with a strong, stable position? Yes or no? Can you do some single leg squats or some lunges without going left and right or feeling like you're going to topple over? Yes or no? Just ask yourself the question, how much stability do I have? Can I control this movement? And if the answer is, I'm not very stable, I can't control this weight without being assisted or having a spotter. Then you might want to think, okay, I actually need to address these issues. And a great way to do that is unilateral exercises. So I hope that gives you a bit of of an understanding about the differences. We have compounds, yes, we have isolation exercises, but we also have bilateral and unilateral. And in terms of Stabilizing the body, having a strong, robust, resilient body, we do need unilateral exercise. As humans, we are not symmetrical by design, by anatomy. We are, Anatomically, we are not symmetrical. And every single day, the actions that you take and what you do just on a general basis at home, on your way to work, at work, you are never symmetrical. If you have a manual car and you drive to work, your right foot is working harder than your left. You're pressing the accelerator. If you've got the clutch, then you've got the brake. You know, there's a lot of different things. If you drink coffee only with your right hand, that is an imbalance. It's a small imbalance, but if you have six cups of coffee a day, there's six times that you've imbalanced the body. And that's an extreme example, I know that. But I am saying is all of these little imbalances add up over time. And if you want to perform to a high level, if you want to be strong, if you want to compete in obstacle course races, if you want to do six-hour uncover events, if you want to push your body and see what it's actually capable of, you need to make sure that both sides are strong and stable. That's what I'm saying. Do your bilateral lifts. Do your heavy lifts, absolutely, but don't neglect single leg work. Everybody hates lunges, and it's because most people suck at lunges. Right there, that is a big spotlight, saying, hey, hello, you need to do me more, you need more lunges. So when you find those exercises where maybe you read your program and you think, oh no, not those, you can reframe that situation. Oh no, Jesse's got me doing lunges. Good, it's time for me to get really good at them so that no matter what day that I I have lunges, I can be like, sweet, I've got this in the bag. That illustrates that you have full control of your body, you are strong and stable. So it's not just about being strong, make sure you're stable enough as well to control how your joints and how those bones move through space and especially under load. Guys, if this information helped you and you found benefit out of it, or if it was a bit enlightening, you thought, oh, I haven't thought about, you know, my training like that before. Please do be a solid and pay the fee. The fee is very simple. All I ask is if on this particular episode, you found some value out of it, share it forward. Copy the link, share it on your Facebook feed, share it to a friend, send it via email. And I don't expect it to go viral or anything like that. If it does, awesome. But... I want you guys to help me start spreading this message because a lot of people don't know. You don't know what you don't know. I know this information. I know it like, like the back of my hand, but a lot of people don't and they're not really sure what to do and how to start or you know, where to even look. So that's where if you, if you think someone else could benefit from this information, it's up to you. It's your responsibility to make sure that they get this information. So please pay the fee. Share it forward so someone else can benefit from this information as well, guys. I really appreciate it. And it means more than you realize when you do that as well. So thanks for listening. I hope you found it beneficial and got something out of it and can now use it in your own training moving forward. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. If you loved the wake-up call, found it entertaining, or got some benefit out of listening, I would appreciate you helping me to spread the word. Please share it with a friend or on social media so that you can pay it forward and give someone else the opportunity to improve themselves like you just have. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon for another episode.